All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked on Vikings, and boy, we are getting there. As always, I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked on Vikings, and you can always find this show on all of your favorite podcast places like iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, and the new podcast app, Himalaya. Or if you don't like those podcast apps, you can always just ask your smart device like Amazon Alexa or even Siri, hey, play podcast Locked on Vikings. So yeah, we are getting there, and we're very, very close to the start of the actual draft. There's only going to be two more shows before the real thing happens and we're recapping it. So I wanted to make these two shows really something that could recap all of the work and all of the content that we've done over the course of this whole draft season. We've talked about a lot of prospects, we've done a lot of mock drafts, we've done a lot of philosophy, we've, you know, still followed a lot of the news and stuff too, but mostly we've been talking about these people in the draft, and I've tried to kind of structure the the schedule of content in draft season to be able to, to attack as many prospects as possible. So here is the plan all the way up into the draft. We are going to have this show that uploads on Wednesday morning, we're going to have another show that uploads on Thursday morning, so make sure you get to that before the actual show starts. You know, if you're the kind of person who listens like after work and and maybe, you know, you don't get off work until the draft has already started, make sure you do get to that in time. Uh, But today we are going to do a big board for the Vikings. We're going to go all the way through the top 50, both because that's a nice even number and because the Vikings pick at 50. And we are going to rank all of the players from the player that I will take over every single other player in the draft, no matter who is on the board, I'm taking that guy all the way down to, you know, all 50 players that I would take at uh, in in the second round if they happen to fall there. And and that'll be a really fun exercise because, you know, once we get down to 18, we can kind of say, all right, we're guaranteed to have one of these 18 people. The guys that I think are, you know, the 18 most important people to be Vikings or the 18 most advantageous people to be Vikings later. And if you don't, if you can come up with 18 of those people, and spoiler alert, you can, then that means that you are guaranteed to get one of those 18 people, and therefore, if you don't screw it up, you're guaranteed to have a good pick. And here's the thing, and I'm just going to do a quick tangent real quick because I have time to. Uh, I think you can do that for pretty much every team who has a first-round draft pick. I think you could do that all the way to 32 for the Patriots and everything, uh, which is why I'm a, a kind of detractor of like draft position and why the whole like tank for a better draft pick is something that I don't think is even really that helpful because draft position is overrated. If, if you don't screw it up and if, you know, if your scouting is good and you have like a good grasp on the draft and mapping it and stuff, you can always get a good player at 32 and even at 64 in the second round and, and so on. I don't think it's really worth much to, you know, scoot up 10 spots because you lost games on purpose. But I digress. First off, we have been doing this every day on this podcast, and today is no different. We have the prospect of the day, and you may have seen it in the title or in the show notes. Uh, We're going to talk about Christian Wilkins, and the reason I wanted to wait until now to talk about Christian Wilkins is because I see him very often be the guy, like, available in the simulators that you're declining to take an offensive lineman. You know, you're often deciding between, you know, OL of your choice. Usually for me, it's like Jonah Williams or Dillard, or it's been Bradbury who's been kind of gaining some steam lately, uh, especially since I think Paul Allen talked about him on KFAN, and now people are really starting to get behind that idea. It's between them and 
Christian Wilkins or, you know, insert defender here. But that guy, usually the best defender on the board, if it isn't, you know, one of the Devons, one of the linebackers that has fallen to you in this particular simulator, it's Christian Wilkins, this defensive tackle out of Clemson. Maybe the best defensive lineman on that crazy, you know, Clemson defensive line. So in a nutshell, I mean, Christian Wilkins is going to be pretty easy to explain because the word that describes him is good. He's very good at football and and really all the things that you typically would judge a defensive lineman on, he will never offer a question on. He has a very stout anchor. I think every scouting report I read on him used the word stout multiple times. He has, you know, the right kind of frame and he has a thick anchor and he, and he has a very unique flexibility that allows him to kind of like win even if if the leverage isn't quite there and that's a good really good against like zone schemes like what the Vikings run you know the the Vikings run a zone scheme that's meant to give your guy the the leverage you know if you're pushing on the side of a guy it's going to be easier to move them than if you're trying to push them from the front you know one-on-one and Christian Wilkins has a weird amount of flexibility that allows him to like get that leverage even when he's beat on his own scheme um, and and the effort and leadership and intangibles, I think, are, are really what are going to set him over the top for NFL teams. You know, he was a leader in Clemson on a championship team. And, you know, he was like one of the first Clemson recruits to get his degree in like two and a half years or, or some kind of accolade like that. And ultimately, like everybody calls him like a culture changer, you know, the kind of guy that you would meet with. And he would immediately, like, turn around a toxic locker room culture. Now, the Vikings don't have a toxic locker room culture really at all. They have one of the better locker rooms in the league, and I stand firm on that. So a team, you know, like the Steelers that had all kinds of problems with that, or the team like, you know, the Browns that have a whole bunch of, like, big, heady, like, swaggery players, you know, might be more interested in something like that. I don't think the Vikings need it. I mean, obviously, they're going to be interested in people that continue the, the good culture that they have and all the dividends that that pays, you know, in the form of, like, contract discounts or just general, like, lack of unrest during up-and-down seasons, you know, like the, the 2016 or 2018 seasons. There was a little bit of fireworks here and there, but it was nothing compared to what we've seen out of, like, Pittsburgh or Green Bay, you know, in those bad situations where you have a little bit of a, a, a sketchier locker room situation. But more to the on-the-field stuff. So Christian Wilkins has all the ability you would want. He doesn't have an explosive, crazy first step, but he has a lot of quickness in his, you know, second, third, and fourth steps, and, and he can still, like, shoot a gap and penetrate in a run play or, you know, get a pressure on a pass play. The same as you would if you just burst off the line. He just has enough ability to, like, not really need that. You wish he had it, but he doesn't need it. And he has all, you know, the lateral mobility you would ever want so that, you know, these like sweepy runs or zone runs aren't going to like outrun him. You know, he's, you're not going to like beat him to the edge as easily as you would like other defensive tackles. He has a little bit of an issue with mental processing, but that's something that definitely would get ironed out with experience. And ultimately he has all the physical ability you would want and it shows up on tape. So that's like... He's not raw, but what he is raw at, it's the right kind of raw. You know, that mental processing problem, that's the kind of problem that I'm not worrying about if I'm taking a guy in the first round. And, you know, you know that he's already good enough to come in and play right away, and then he only gets better as those things work themselves out. So, you know, drafting Christian Wilkins would be an interesting, like, baseline to me, because he fills a need, but not perfectly. He, you know, he he would beat out Shamar Stefan, and then Shamar Stefan would become a kind of awkwardly expensive backup for the rest of his contract. 
and that would be better. It would be an improvement. It would be worth a first-round pick, no doubt, but it would be a little bit of an awkward thing. So it's like not perfect, and that makes it really good to compare against. And, you know, he has all the ability you would want, but he's not like a superstar with this crazy high ceiling. He's kind of already at his ceiling, which is as a starter and a quality one, and there's nothing to be ashamed of there. But all of these things like kind of turn him into a really nice baseline player to compare against. So when you're saying, all right, would I take, you know, Andre Dillard over this pretty good starting quality immediately three technique defensive tackle and that's a question that you can ask yourself and it's a useful tool to kind of say okay would I take this guy at at 18 and so that's where I put him in the big board spoiler alert I put him at you know the 18th spot because I think he's a really good baseline to compare against Uh, I'm going to step away to a quick ad break and then we'll get into the big board in full Uh, but I did want to talk about Christian Wilkins today because I think he does provide that really nice like would I take him over this guy is a good question to ask that basically parallels to what I take him at 18. So I am, again, I'm going to step away and I'll be right back. And then we'll talk about the big board. See you in a second. All right. So let's get into this uh, big board. I'll, I'll try to remember to link this in the show notes once the episode has aired. I, I don't want to like spoil this right away uh, and, you know, post it like the night that I'm recording this. I, I'd rather have you hear it from here first and then have, have it to go and reference later. Uh, but basically the exercise went as such. So I took Arif Hassan's consensus board, which I'm going to kind of use as the gold standard board from here on out. I was using the, the draft network predictive board, but really all that is, is like the next best thing that we have that like uses the wisdom of crowds, but I'd rather use the wisdom of a smart crowd, which is all of the analysts and draft people, you know, all the way up, you know, from like national media people like Lance Zerline and Dane Brugler has been around for forever all the way down to like, you know, draft network people and people like closer to the the blogging world and the internet content world and, you know, people who make their draft boards there all sent in their big boards, their player rankings to Arif Hassan. He compiled it into two categories between forecasters, people trying to, you know, predict where people will go and evaluators, which are trying to predict how those people are going to turn out, which is, I think, a a more like pure evaluation. So I'm using the evaluator version of it, uh, not the forecaster version of it. Uh, and then I took that and I just kind of made tweaks until I was happy with the top 50 players. And I basically said, okay, the Vikings, you know, like Jonah Williams, for example, is eighth on the evaluator board. I think there are not seven players that the Vikings would take over Jonah Williams. So I moved him up a couple of spots and, and I'll kind of talk about that. But essentially I want it to be this. I want this board to mean everybody below that player, I would not take over that player and everybody above that player, I would take over that player. So I'm going to basically run through this. I'm going to run through some of them really fast because there are some people that admittedly I haven't like looked into enough to really be able to give you like a solid evaluation. You'll probably just have to look elsewhere for that. There's tons of information on all of these guys though. And I think, you know, the purpose of this exercise is going to be as, as a fun tool on the actual draft night for me to say like, all right, do I, did I agree with what the Vikings did? You know, did they take the highest person on my big board? Because I've basically gone and like made all the decisions pre, you know, I like I have Jonah Williams ranked over Josh Allen, you know, because I, I tend to view, you know, Jonah Williams because of how much more he would play right away than Josh Allen on the Vikings. You know, the Vikings still have Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin. So Josh Allen would be splitting reps with all those guys, whereas Jonah Williams would come in and play every play. So I would take Jonah Williams over Josh Allen, even though Josh Allen is clearly a better edge rusher than Jonah Williams is an offensive lineman. Not that that's anything to be ashamed of for Jonah. Uh, I, I still, you know, decided kind of in advance, I would take, if it came down to it, and Jonah Williams and Josh Allen were both on the board at 18, it won't happen, but if, uh, I would take Jonah Williams over Josh Allen. That is is how, like, all of this logic 
has come to pass. So enough prefacing, let's get to the dang thing. So the first player on the big board is the first player on all of everybody's big board. It's Quinnen Williams. He's a, a defensive tackle. He's a total beast. He's this like Bama monster. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter who else would fall at that point. If Quinnen Williams is going through some weird Laramie Tunsil-esque fall to the Vikings at 18, I'm running up to the podium. And, and, you know, you wouldn't screw around. He would come in, he would immediately fill a need reasonably, which is what gave him the edge for me over Nick Bosa. I also think Williams is a little bit of a better player than Nick Bosa, though, again, you know, you're splitting hairs between two, like, definitely elite players, so I definitely get if people, like, disagree with me on that, Uh, but I think just because Quinnen Williams fills a need more cleanly than Nick Bosa would, I I put Quinnen Williams up top. And then the next guy is Nick Bosa out of Ohio State. Obviously, you know, he's kind of everybody's one-two in terms of the pass rushers. And then at number three, I actually put Kyler Murray, because if Kyler Murray falls to 18, I'm taking him over anybody else. Not because I, you know, I don't believe in Kirk Cousins or whatever, and and my opinion on that is kind of irrelevant to this particular discussion. I, I don't think Kirk Cousins should be extended as it stands right now. He would have to do something surprising in 2019 or 2020 to earn that in my mind. Uh, but I want to have the option to not be priced into it or, you know, enter the nightmare that is the quarterback market. And and if you have Kyle, Kyler Murray on the roster for 2019 and 2020, now, you know, Kirk Cousins can do whatever he does for those two years. And then you are ready to smoothly transition to somebody without a huge contract who has been sitting and learning, you know, better accuracy and, and better consistency and, and better, you know, just just NFL playbooks and NFL offenses and stuff. He's been sitting on the bench for two years and learning. Transitioning into that in 2021 would be amazing. He's not going to fall to 18. I, I highly doubt he even falls out of the top five. But if he did, I would run up to the podium and then I'd say, hey, you know, we'll, we'll deal with our offensive line problems later. You know, I, I did the episode a long while ago where where I, I looked at what would happen if you went outside of offensive line and it is kind of a sketchy situation. Kyler Murray and a couple and, and you know, Bosa and Williams are guys to me that are worth that. So the next guy is the last person on my list who I would take over an offensive lineman, uh, over any offensive lineman, no matter who it is, is TJ Hawkinson. Because again, he feels kind of like a next year need. We talked about that, but he does have like superstar ability to me. And I would think about taking him before I thought about taking an offensive lineman, no matter who it is. And now finally we get to the first offensive lineman on the board. Here's the thing. Those four players, in my opinion, are total blue chippers. They are superstars in the waiting and whoever gets them is going to have a fixture on their team for a decade. Next is Jonah Williams, who I also think that about. Uh, I think he's a little bit of a lesser player, enough of a lesser player than those other four uh, and, you know, Kyler Murray, the rules are different for quarterbacks, but I, I think that Jonah Williams is just a shade under that just because of the arm length thing, which I don't put a lot of stock into, but when you're comparing to Quinnen Williams and Nick Bosa, you kind of do have to split hairs. Uh, but then I would take Jonah Williams and he is my dream. He's my guy that if he falls by some miracle of God, I'm running to the podium and I'm not looking back. He is the person that I think the best, like, feasible scenario like it's not even really realistic it's like slightly within the realm of possibility but it is certainly launching out of that realm very quickly uh but i i would take him if he fell to the vikings at 18 i really don't think it's going to happen i think he's the most polished lineman in this class and i think the the detraction on him is arm length which is something that is frequently overrated and he has demonstrated time and time again that it's not going to hurt him in the pros he wins in such a way that it doesn't hurt him very bad at all 
So I have him fifth on my big board. So the rest of these guys, I would not take over Jonah Williams. The first is Ed Oliver. And I had to think so hard about this because I love Ed Oliver. I love what he does. I don't think his size issue is is that much of an issue. But I guess, you know, both Williams and Ed Oliver are guys that are really good at playing football and they just have a small size issue. And I think Jonah Williams' size issue is slightly less problematic than Ed Oliver's. So next, I'm going to rip through these guys really quickly, either because they aren't really relevant and won't be there or because I've already talked about them a lot on the show. So next, I have Josh Allen, who I think is probably a better player than Jonah Williams. But again, position matters here. This is for the Vikings specifically. Next, I have Andre Dillard and Garrett Bradbury. So everybody below this, if like if Bradbury, Dillard, or Williams is there at 18, I am taking them over everybody I'm about to name. Uh, Brian Burns, Noah Fant, we've talked about quite a bit. He is the other tight end. I would take uh, Fant over Dalton Risner, but barely. Uh, Risner is number 12th. Then I would do Chris Lindstrom. This is 13th. Uh, and then I would take Jaywan Taylor. I, I talked about him a little bit. He plays right tackle, and that would cause more position switching, which means there's kind of a tax to drafting him, even though he's probably better at playing tackle than like Risner is. I would take Risner just because he slots into what the Vikings need a little bit more smoothly and would be able to get snaps without causing as much unrest on the line. Next, I have Cody Ford, who I would still take at 18 for sure. Uh, I would take DK Metcalf, but I wouldn't take him over any of those offensive linemen. I would take Marquise Brown as well, but same, not over any of those linemen. Putting uh, Metcalf over Brown is a decision I do not feel that confident about, uh, but I, I kind of just deferred to the consensus board there. I think just more evaluators have Metcalf over Brown uh, than the other way around. So I'm just kind of deferring to that. And then at 18, I have Christian Wilkins, who I just talked about. So that was 18 football players. And if you're like me, there isn't a single one on that list that wouldn't be really, really, really exciting for the Vikings. And here's the thing, unless they trade back, they are guaranteed to get one of those players. So I think this is an exercise, again, you can do for every team, but I would take any single one of those players at 18 in that order, obviously. Uh, But I am going to quick pause for a second before I get into the the next uh, batch of players that I would then take at pick 50 and do the same thing. But first, I want to remind you that you can find this show on the Himalaya podcast app. It's a new app that helps you make sense of all of the crazy exploding volume of podcasts out there. There's just so many nowadays. Uh, It can, you know, make curated playlists for you and it has new features every day to help you make sense of that ever-expanding world. Do go download the Himalaya podcast app, subscribe to Locked on Vikings, and give it a try. Okay, so onward. So now these players, now that they are below the 18th spot here, it essentially means to me that if the Vikings pick any of the players I'm about to name at the 18th spot, I will disagree with it and think that there was somebody better on the board that they should have taken. So the first guy on that list is Byron Murphy. I think he is the best player left on the board, even though he does not really fill a need for the Vikings at all. And and I think there will pretty much always be a, a player that would actually get snaps that is good enough to be worth taking over Byron Murphy, even though like I think Byron Murphy's a better corner than say Christian Wilkins is a three tech or say even Cody Ford is an, a, a guard or a tackle. And so, you know, if I were the GM sitting there at 18, that's kind of how I would like think through that pick. So going to rip through these really quickly. Uh, then I have uh, Cleland Farrell from Clemson, the edge rusher out of Clemson. Then I have Montez Sweat, who I think is a better player than a lot of these, but you know, the heart disease, the heart issue, which I don't think is an issue, but I do think that it's 
going to drop him. And, you know, since he would be a luxury pick really anyways, I'm okay waiting for the second round to see if he really falls that far. And then if he's there at 50, yeah, then I'm hustling to the podium because obviously like none of these, I mean, Byron Murphy's not going to be there at 50. Uh, then I have Rashawn Gary from Michigan. I have Devin White. That's the first linebacker on the board. That really is the embodiment of the logic to me that like, listen, there's for one, there's a lot of sub packages and Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks are going to be on the field every single down, no matter who you draft right now. Devin White will not change that. And essentially you're getting a player that's going to play like 30% of snaps. That said, Devin Bush is so good. You could maybe like figure out a trade or something like that to like resolve that redundancy. And especially, you know, if you like traded back, I have him at 25. So if you traded back to 25, then I would like really think about doing that trade, get assets, you know, kind of figure out how to get your value back. But because it creates that extra step of work for it to be a good pick, that's why he's so much lower here than he is on like everybody's actual big board where he's like a top 15 player, which I agree with. Uh, next, I have Greedy Williams. I talked about him yesterday. Uh, I have Jerry Tillery after that, who has really risen lately. He was like, I, I had a mock draft earlier where I drafted him in like the third round. He's not going to be there in the third round. Uh, then I have Nasir Adderley, the safety out of Delaware. I have Nikhil Harry from Arizona State. Debo Samuel out of South Carolina. I don't think he's going to be there at 50. And if he was, I would be absolutely thrilled because again, we're still, I mean, I'm at 30 right now. These guys are, are miracles if they fall to the 50th pick. Uh, then I have Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. He's the safety out of Florida. I think he's better than the 31st player, but again, like we don't need a starting safety. We really, we need depth safeties and, and using your second round pick on a depth player is, is not great team management. Uh, then there's Chase Vinovich. I actually think there is a weird chance that he falls, although people are kind of crushing on him hard. I actually would, I, I would be more surprised to see him, you know, there in the second round at 50 than I would to see him go in the first round. Uh, then Dexter Lawrence out of Clemson, the other Clemson defensive tackle, Hakeem Butler out of Iowa State, uh, Eric McCoy out of Texas A&M. That's the first lineman on this second round list. He would be the best case scenario in terms of like reality. Uh, if if I didn't take a lineman at 18, because all seven of the linemen that I, I decided are worth it at 18 uh, are gone, Eric McCoy falling to 50 is the best case scenario. Then I went and put Elton Jenkins right next to him at 36, you know, so I would take like Eric McCoy or Elton Jenkins well before I take any of the next guys I'm I'm about to to list here. So everybody else that I've just listed is still kind of like vaguely worth a first rounder to me. And Eric McCoy and Elton Jenkins is where I really draw the line of like, okay, now here's your second round pick that you can be happy with. Uh, next, I actually have JJ Arcega-Whiteside, somebody I declined in the third round in this mock draft Monday, a decision which looks wronger and wronger the more I learn about both him and Terry McLaurin. I, I actually probably would go back on that decision now if I could try it again. Uh, then I have Draymond Jones in Ohio State 3-Tech, one of the first prospect of the days that I covered. Uh, he fits the Vikings really well and would like really provide some awesome competition for Shamar Stefan, probably win that competition and make the D-line group very good. Uh, then I have Taylor Rapp, sa safety out of Washington, DeAndre Baker, corner out of Georgia, Jay Sternberger, I would totally take in the, in the second round, which I think is kind of a hot take. He was like in the 70s on the big board, but I, I do think that he's worth a second round pick. I think he comes in and contributes right away and contributes more as the future goes on. I think the same about Irv Smith Jr., the Bama tight end, who I have next. I have Juan Thornhill, the safety out of Virginia next, Kelvin Harmlin, NC State wide receiver, Darnell Savage, Maryland safety. Josh Jacobs is the only running back on this list. I would take him in the second round if none of the guys I just mentioned were there because he's just that much better than everybody else on the list at that point. It would be kind of another Dalvin Cook situation and maybe I'd try to trade Dalvin or, you know, again, try to like resolve that redundancy. I wouldn't be thrilled with that pick, but I figured like 
I would take Josh Jacobs in the second round. Yeah, like even even me, the running back hater, would do it. Uh, Deontay Thompson, safety out of Alabama. I would take Paris Campbell in the second round. I think a lot of people disagree with that. And I would take Rakia Sin in the second round, the corner out of Temple. And that's number 50. So again, at the second round, I'm going to ask, when they pick that second round person, is he better than Rakia Sin? Or if they make trades, is he plus, you know, whatever trade value plus or minus deficit they got? better for the Vikings than Rakia Sin would be. Because again, Rakia Sin, he addresses a potential future need, depending on what happens with Trey Waynes. Uh, but he doesn't like fit in perfectly. You know, he's not a guard that would just immediately start or a three tech that would immediately like challenge Shamar Stefan for the start. But, you know, maybe he would in a future year, depending on what happens with Wades or, or Waynes or, or Xavier Rhodes. Uh, and I think he fits the Vikings well enough and has enough of a skill set to be the kind of guy that like you would be happy with in the second round. So if anybody who is better than that, I would take. Now, if the Vikings select at pick 50 or at pick 18, somebody who I did not mention, I will disagree with it. This is kind of my my way of saying, unless I forgot somebody, which I totally could have. Uh, I was working off of the consensus board, though, so hopefully that's a good safeguard against like my memory being bad. Uh, but so, yeah, if they, if they pick somebody that I didn't just name, I will not be pleased with that, I will disagree with it. I'll come on this show and say I I wish they would have taken, you know, the best player on this board. And we will revisit this board when the draft actually happens and see who the best person would have been and see who, like, if I were Rick Spielman, I would have drafted blah, blah, blah. So we'll we'll talk about all that when the the draft actually happens and the picks are actually there to talk about. Uh, But for now, that is going to do it for this, the second to last episode before the actual draft. Uh, I'm getting super excited. It's almost here, you guys. I, I will come with some really fun prediction stuff uh, tomorrow. And of course the final prospect a day, somebody who I'm sure you've been waiting for me to talk about for a while. Uh, I will see you all tomorrow. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at locked on Vikings. You can find the show on all your favorite podcast apps, including Himalaya. And of course you can ask your smart device to play podcast locked on Vikings. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. And as always skull.